Uh, if you've got uh, your Bible with you, I haven't, I'm afraid we don't have a PowerPoint this morning, um, but if you've got your Bible with you, or you've got it on your phone, as long as you don't start looking at Facebook and anything else, <laughs> nonsense like that, uh, let's get our phones out, because it's, it's good to read it, isn't it? When we're reading scripture together, it's good to follow it along. So if you can turn, please, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 16 to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Um, and just before we do that, it's just, uh, I don't want to embarrass Dom and Liz Long, but it's great you're here. Really good. And Josh and Karis as well, really good. Really nice to see you guys. These are the guys that are from Hatfield Church. They're just having a breather at the moment, so they're coming down, so you just have to go and make them feel really welcome and love them. But don't give them more chocolate than they deserve. That... <laughs> But make sure, unless you're saying do, if you've got a spare chair, anyway, that's good. It's great you're here, guys. We, we love you. Okay, so um, we're just going to read um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. And we really, we just thought we'd read a passage that really puts in context where we're at as a church at the moment. And let's keep going. Okay, so 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 16. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, it's not talking, by the way, about you know, living in a tent, somewhere it's talking about our bodies. For if we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. We're going to explain a little bit about this, what it means exactly. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home in the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. I just need to let you know, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth when he was in a bit of a pickle. He wasn't doing particularly well. He knew that his body was failing. He was coming to the end of his life. We know for a fact that his eyesight was failing because at, at other points he says, like, see what big, hat, what, what big letters I write with. And you just think, oh, I know what it is. And, and the fact is, they didn't even have glasses. They didn't have two quid glasses from Amazon that you could suddenly put on and think, oh, it's all okay now. 
He just had to struggle with it. He knew his body was failing. He knew that his body wasn't sort of like quite recovering from the beatings that he took like it used to. It used to be that he could you know, take a beating and then his body would recover quite well. He was walking and traveling all around the Mediterranean basin. And as I, even as I get older, I think, do you know what? Traveling just becomes a little bit harder. You know, we were sitting in a plane coming back from Israel the other, the other week. We went on there for a few days' holiday. And think, well, this seat's really small. I just thought, I'm getting too old to sit in small. Oh, business class, I might quite like... No, but I'm not going to do that. But, but Paul knew, okay, that his body was getting older. It was becoming more and more frail. He knew, to be honest, he was dying. That's what he knew. He knew the reality of his situation. And it is in moments like today that we have to remind ourselves, no, we will not lose courage. We will not lose heart. And we need to learn something of what Paul was saying, that saying, no, we do not lose heart. We are always of good courage. And then it says again, yes, we are in good courage. The reality is that Paul knew that his body was dying, but something was giving him more strength. Odd. What was happening? Body dying, but somehow he was becoming stronger and stronger. And clearly, today of all days, we need to be thinking, what is it that gives us strength? When we face our mortality, when we face the loss of a loved one, what is it that gives us strength? The first thing to mention is this, that Paul said this, he said he's fixing his eyes on what? On the unseen. It's odd. How can you do it? And I think he was playing with us. He was giving some words. I'm fixing my eyes on that which cannot be seen. Because the thing that can be seen is transitory. This body, this thing, it, it just, it will not last forever. And it will fail. And it will suffer and we'll have pain. And it's, sometimes it is so easy just to fix our eyes on what can be seen, on the immediate, what is here or now. But Paul says this, no, if you want to take courage, in this moment, fix your eyes on what can't be seen. What cannot be seen. What we can't see physically is the eternal. The restoration of all things. You know, it's really funny. I think, I think Dorla said that the one thing that she was really looking forward to is being able to sing. Oh, what is Dola doing? She is in her spirit. She is singing to the Lord. Because she has this, 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 this unseen has now become the seen reality. And if we can somehow grasp the unseen now, whatever we face, we will know the joy of the Lord. You know, what did the Jesus criticize the Pharisees for? Well, to be honest, loads of things. <laughs> loads of things. Then he said this. You're seeing, but you don't see. And he said this, you're really hearing, but what? You haven't heard. You haven't heard and you're just consumed with what's here. You're consumed with all of this. And you're consumed with your techie fire and you're consumed with everything. And you're consumed with this. But actually, no, it's there. That's what you need to look at. That's the reality. That is the intransigent reality of our eternity with Christ. 
And it's the real, it, that's what gives us hope at this moment. And, and later on in this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 7, Paul says this, walk by faith, not by sight. This tent, whatever you want to call it, this body, it is simply passing. It will fade away. It is temporary. But we have to look forward to something that is permanent. When we die, our soul will be in the presence of Jesus. And the interesting bit there that sometimes is a little bit confusing is when Paul starts talking about would be, would we be unclothed, that we would be further clothed, so what is mortal may, may not be swallowed up in life. He has prepared us for this faith. And it, it, I think, what, what, is he, what is he talking about? And what Paul is saying is this, that, that when the moment that we die, we are in the presence of Jesus. The moment. Because what happened to the thief on the cross? Jesus said to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Would that thief be with Jesus in bodily form? No. That thief, the soul of that, that thief would be in the presence of Jesus straight away. And that is why Paul says, look, I'd rather be unclothed, I'd rather be stripped of my body and in the presence of Jesus than here. But then he says this, but there will come a time when I'll be clothed again. So the moment we die, we're in the presence of Jesus. And it's a glorious thing. We think, yes, it was true. It was right. And then there'll come a moment when Christ returns. When what do we hear? Was that a trumpet I heard? What's that? And that we think, no, that, that moment will come when we're dead in Christ, but we're like in this disembodied state, but we then they hear this trumpet sound and Christ returns and the new heavens, the new earth, they're restored and redeemed. And guess what? We have new bodies. It's amazing. But sometimes we're just caught up in all the traffic jams at Apex Corner <laughs> and writing and saying, what are you doing? No, look to that. That is what our hope is. In Christ, in Christ alone, the restoration, the final hope of every Christian is when Jesus returns. We're given this new body full of hope, full of joy, where there's no more crying or pain. So that's the first reason that Paul said, take courage, take courage. And that's the first reason that Paul says to us now here, today, in here, take courage. The things that are transigent, do not focus on them. Focus on our eternal hope in Christ. And by the way, our hope in Christ is not like the hope we have when we hope that the weather's going to be okay. Just to let you know, I really hope it's going to be nice this afternoon. Reality is, it probably won't. Our hope in Christ is very, very different. Our hope in Christ is based on one thing, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus went to the cross and died, and then he was resurrected. A historically verifiable fact. Nothing else. That is our hope. Our hope in Christ. Our hope is in Christ alone. The second thing that I just want to say that why, from this passage, why did Paul say, take courage, take courage, my friends, let's be full of good courage right now is that Paul knew that he was guaranteeing 
that Jesus was guaranteeing what he has promised by the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 5, verse 5, he says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us his Spirit as a guarantee. I, just, I want you to be totally honest in your answer, unafraid of what anybody else will think. Hands up if you ever think your faith is just a sham. It's just make-believe. Thank you. You put your hands down. Sometimes we do have those moments of doubt, don't we? And we just think, is my, am I just trying to make my life better here? What's the truth of it? And what Paul is saying here is this. He who prepared us for this very thing, our eternal destiny in Christ, who has given us the Spirit as his guarantee. I would say to you that this morning, when we worship Jesus, and when we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we feel a sense of reassurance in Christ, that is the guarantee of God for an eternal destiny. When we begin to be transformed, when we begin to understand what it is to have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In the darkest moments, we say, Holy Spirit, you have to really help me. And somehow we feel a reassurance of the Spirit coming in. Somehow we have fellowship with people that we have nothing else in common. And yet, it's just the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We begin to understand the mind of God. I think that's the beginning. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we read scripture, and we don't just read a book, but we feel God is speaking into our lives. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, is what guarantees what we have to come. Sometimes for me, the work of the Holy Spirit is this. That in the moments of confusion, and in the moments of darkness, and the moments when I don't know what to do, and when I run to God, he brings comfort and help and guidance. To me, that... That is the guarantee. And that is what Paul is saying. So in this moment, we thought, oh, this is all difficult. No, the, what, the fellowship we experience with the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that what we face here and now is not it. There is something far greater to run towards. The last point is this, is that Paul ends this letter pleading and imploring every single one of us to be reconciled to Christ. Let me just read. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it will also be known to your conscience. And then, and then down to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. And we implore you, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think, you know, at, at some point, we will, all, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
our lives will be judged. Ultimately, they'll be judged. Have we acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives or not? That is where we'll be judged. I think our lives, what we've done in our lives, will also be judged. But primarily, it's this sense of, have you given your life to Christ? And I would suggest to you that this verse is appealing to you today to be reconciled to Christ. I would suggest also that the life of Dorla is appealing to you today to be reconciled to Christ. Everything that she had her life for was to say, no, put your faith in none of that other nonsense. And if you knew Dorla, sometimes she would tell you quite forcefully, don't put your life in any of that other nonsense. Put your faith in this, in Christ alone. Be of good courage. Do not lose heart. If you're a Christian today, focus on the unseen reality. I, I so, you know, if we could do anything, if we come away from today, I think it's uh, let's not be just consumed with what's happening this afternoon or with lunch or what we've got to do, anything, I don't know, or what we've got to do. But no, God, give us a, a new perspective. That when, whenever God calls us home, that we think, no, we know that is what we're aiming for. But today also, if you have not given your life to Christ, urge you and I would appeal to you to be reconciled to God today not tomorrow not this afternoon not any other time today today is the day of salvation let him who was sinless and who became sinful for you who carried your sin let him carry your burden he did it for you And sometimes we think, oh, church is always very good. It's for people whose lives are sorted. That's nonsense. It's not, we've said this a while ago. If our lives are sorted, there's no, don't cut. If your life is sorted, it's fine. Next Sunday, have a week off. The week after that, have a week off. The week after that, it's fine. Don't bother. If your life is sorted and you're all good and you're living a perfect life, it's fine. But if your life is sometimes a bit messy and sometimes you doubt and sometimes you think, what is God doing? You are welcome here. Because this is the place that we put, we encouraging ourselves, no, in Christ alone, in him, we are putting our trust. And I'd urge you today, surrender your life to him. Ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. In a moment. Uh, we're going to take communion. We thought it was a good way just to reaffirm again, this is the rock upon which we build our life, Jesus Christ. And if you have never given your life to Christ before, if you've never, you know, you might have been in church, you might come to church for years and years, but you think, I'm not sure if I've ever categorically said, Jesus, today I am yours. Well, I would encourage you to do that and maybe by taking communion, that can be your sense of today I'm giving my life to Christ. And in fact, if you haven't given your life to Christ, do not take communion. Because you'll be, well, don't let it be true, you'll be judged for it. Because you're taking in something that is supposed to represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ, but you're doing it without giving your life over to him. So if you haven't made that commitment, don't take communion. If you have given it, take communion. And if you are now giving your life to Christ, What joy and what celebration to take communion today. Can I just ask you to stand and then if um, you guys want to come up and just lead us in communion. Just going to pray.
Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus. Lord, on a day such as today, we choose to put our focus on you. In these moments when we face all sorts of questions and anguish, when we mourn and grieve, when we seek to encourage one another, we pray that we would be courageous because of you, of all that you have done, of our eternal destiny in you, that our beloved sister is, Dorla is enjoying right now. We say, come Holy Spirit, come fill us again, as we take communion in a moment, Lord, let that be that moment of coming back to you again. Of saying, Jesus, you are the rock upon which we build our lives. Father, we thank you.